Good morning, church. I don't know about you, but I'm a little out of breath. That was cardio worship this morning. Wow, was that awesome or what? I am so glad that you're here today, and I especially want to welcome our visitors who are here for the first time. We're so glad that you have chosen to come and to worship our God with us. At the end of the service, we invite you to take the connection card, fill out as much or as little as you want, and then either put it in the baskets as they're passing by or take it to the back table where you will receive more information about our church and also a small token of our appreciation for you being here. My name is Jeff Brookshire, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Crossroads. And in my personal experience, we have, I have found, did I hear applause? <laughs> I've, I've never had that before. <laughs> Thank you. Now I'm completely lost, and that's bad when you're right at the beginning. <laughs> but uh, in my own personal experience, as we've been going through this series called Why Me, God?, in my own personal experience and in my experience of being a pastor for 17 years and now a hospice chaplain for over 12 years, I have found that when the storms of life come, when you start walking through the valley of the shadow, when you experience pain or suffering, whether it be mental pain or physical pain or emotional pain, that there are certain why questions, spiritual why questions, that tend to assault us. Questions like this. Why, God, if you really love me as much as the Bible says you do, infinitely more than anyone else has ever loved me, why did you allow this evil to happen to me? Why do you really love me as much as you say you do? Or here's another one. Why, God, if you're really as all-powerful as the Bible says, that nothing is impossible for you, why didn't you use your almighty power to stop this evil before it happened to me? Why? Were you overpowered, overwhelmed, too weak to stop it? Or how about this question? Why, God? If you're such a good God as the Bible says you are, that you are perfect in all of your ways, why did you allow this evil to happen to me? Why? Are you really as good and perfect as you say you are? These spiritual why questions have a tendency to come when the storms of life hit, right? And I want to thank God today, by the way, for providing me with an illustration of the storms, but they have a tendency to hit us, right? They have a tendency to come and enter into our lives, sometimes completely unexpectedly. And sometimes we start asking these spiritual why questions. Interestingly, what I found is, is that these questions are not just being asked by non-believers. They're being asked by Christ followers, too. The difference between the two is that non-believers typically are willing to voice their why questions out for everyone to hear. Christ followers, on the other hand, tend to keep it in. 
because they're afraid if they tell anyone at church, if they tell another person who's a Christ follower, if they tell the pastor that they will be judged for their lack of faith or their time of doubt. So to their detriment, they hold it in. This is what I believe. God has big enough shoulders to be able to handle our why questions. And the church should have big enough questions to handle the why questions that people have and allow them to speak them out freely in this place. Do you agree, yes or no? And I believe that God does not abandon us when we have these why questions. And the church should not abandon those who are having these why questions, who are having these doubts, that we should not abandon them, but instead we should come alongside of them, get closer to them, and walk with them through the valley of the shadow, pointing to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Do you agree, yes or no? And I believe that those who judge you have absolutely no clue. Those who judge you, who abandon you, do not know what you have been through, do not know what you're going through, and certainly do not know your heart. But God does. God knows your heart. God knows what you've gone through in the past. God knows what you're going through in the present and knows what you'll go through in the future. One of the old-time spirituals you might have heard is nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus, but Jesus. So I believe that in the church that we should not abandon anyone, but instead we should come closer to them and know their heart to understand what they've been going through and provide them the care that they need. Do you agree, yes or no? Listen to the truth of the Bible. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than victims through him who loved us. Is that what it says? What does it say? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, not even for a nanosecond, not even your why questions, not even your doubts. God's love is infinite and eternal for you. But from my experience, I will tell you that it is much easier to deal with the why questions before the storms come than after. Now, I didn't realize this illustration was going to come to me today, but the first service was not prepared for rain. (laughs) 
They, they weren't. I, they kept telling me stories. I've got this great umbrella. It's hanging in my, in my um, garage. My umbrella's in the trunk. My umbrella's in the front seat. In fact, my son hit the button and it opened up on the way to church, and I still didn't think about taking it in. Right? They're telling me all these stories. They were not prepared. It is easier to deal with the why questions before the storms of life come than while you're in the middle of them. Because while you're in the middle of them, you got all this emotion stuff and all these feelings that are going on and all of these, these thoughts, and it's hard to sort out the answers to the why questions. Not impossible, but it's harder to sort them out. So what I want to encourage you today is, is to prepare for the storms of life. Prepare for the shadow, the valley of the shadow. Prepare for that pain and suffering. And what I want to share with you today are four answers that have been helpful to me in dealing with the why questions. The first is, is we live in a diseased world. We live in a diseased world. What has infected the world? Capital S, sin. Sin has entered into God's perfect world and infected everything. Because you see, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created it to be good, very good, perfect. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth, there were no diseases. There were no dementia or cancer or heart disease or COPD or whatever. It was a perfect world. It was good. It was very good. It was perfect. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth, there were no natural disasters, no tornadoes or hurricanes or, or earthquakes or droughts. No. It was good. It was very good. It was perfect. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth, there was no evil in the world. No hatred, no gossip, no rape, no murder, no theft, no anything that is evil. It was good. It was very good. It was perfect. But through one disobedient act, sin entered into the world. When the devil tempted the first man and the first woman to eat from the only tree that God said not to eat from out of the whole forest. Sin entered into the world. You say, well, how can that one sin infect the whole world? Well, think about it from the standpoint of computers. It takes one entryway into that computer system for Equifax to have to pay millions of dollars out, right? just takes one little thing to infect that computer. That's what happened to this world. Sin came into this world and infected everything in the world. Which means that if you live with the expectation that life should be fair, you are going to be faced with all sorts of why questions when life hits. You're going to be faced with all sorts of them. Now, we all know life isn't fair because we see it on Facebook. We see it on the news. 
It's out there that, that life is not fair for all these people out there. We may even been told when we were kids by our mom or dad or grandpa and grandma, life isn't fair, kid, right? We may have been told that. But sometimes we may know it with our mind, but not in here. There's still a little bit of peace of us thinking that life should be fair for me. And so when life hits, it hits hard. You start asking, why, God? Why isn't it? This, this isn't fair, God. Why is this happening to me? So what I want to say to you today is, is to remove that, to remember that life isn't fair because we live in a diseased world. And sometimes things hit us, not because it's our fault, but it happens because we live in a diseased world. The second answer that I have for you today is, is that Christ followers aren't exempt. Christ followers are not exempt from pain and suffering. You say, where did that come from? It came from my personal experience. When my niece, Brittany, was born with cystic fibrosis, a disease that cannot be cured, a disease that took her life at age 23, when she was diagnosed with it as a baby, I went at God about this. I went at God because I'm like, how can you let this happen? Christ followers should be exempt. I started saying things. I'm almost embarrassed to say this because it's so prideful, but this is what I said. Things like, I've been trying to follow your will, God. I'm in seminary. And you let this happen? My dad is a pastor. And you let this happen? I've been going to church for years and years and years, even when I didn't want to, even when Jeff Brookshire was preaching, I went to church years after years after years. Why, God? I've been given 10% to your ministries. I've been even serving in a ministry. I'm in a small group. I read the Bible. I pray. I've even become a better person because of following Jesus Christ. So why, God, do you let this happen? Well, Jesus gave his followers a very simple lesson. He said it clearly. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, what's interesting about this statement <clears throat> is was he was not talking to non-believers. He was talking to disciples, his disciples, to Christ followers, to people who had left everything to follow him. He said, in this world, you will have trouble that Christ's followers are not exempt. But somebody out there is thinking, then why be a Christ follower? If you're not exempt from pain and suffering, why even be a Christ follower? Well, the answer is before and after the sentence, in this world you will have trouble. It says, Jesus said, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. Peace. 
When the storms of life hit, what do you want? Peace. Peace to come into your life. He says, in me you may have peace. Then he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Friends, Christ followers, we are not exempt from the storms of life. We're going to experience them today. We'll experience them in the future. But we have to get rid of this thought that somehow Christ followers are exempt because it will only lead to all sorts of why questions. The third answer that I would give you today is sometimes it is our fault. Sometimes our pain and suffering is self-inflicted. On May 5th last year, in Odisha, India, Prabhu Bhattara, I'm sure that's exactly how he pronounces it, Prabhu was at a wedding and had some other friends get in the car with him. They were leaving the wedding. And I don't know if it was too long of a drive or he had too much to drink at the wedding Or he didn't listen to his mom, go to the potty before you get in the car. But he got in the car, and he was going down the road, and he pulled over to the side so that he could go into the woods and relieve himself. All right? While he's in the woods doing his business, he saw a bear, an injured bear. It was just laying there in the woods, and it looked like it had been injured in some way. So Prabhu knew exactly what to do. Instead of calling the authorities to come and help the injured bear, he decided that the best thing to do was to go over there and take a selfie with the bear. Yeah. Even though the passengers in the car kept yelling, they stayed in the car with their phones recording everything, by the way. They stayed in the car telling him not to go. He still went. I'm not going to go through the details. It was a fatal mistake. Sometimes you can ask, God, why was I attacked by that bear? (laughs) It was your own fault. Years before 597 B.C., God sent all sorts of preachers, prophets, to the people of Israel. He sent them there to tell them, to warn them that sin is dangerous, that sin always has consequences. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet telling them that they had to stop worshiping other gods. They worshiped these idols that were carved out of wood, wood from trees that God made. They were carved out of gold, those who were rich, gold that God had made. They even worshiped the stars that God had made, but they didn't worship the almighty, true God. So God kept sending them prophet after prophet after prophet, warning them to stop worshiping other gods and to stop breaking his commandments. Many of them did not stop. They continued and sinned all the more. So God sent one of his prophets, Ezekiel, 
to say this to Israel. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you people have brought to mind your guilt by your open rebellion, revealing your sins in all that you do, because you have done this, you will be taken captive. And so it became so. The kingdom of Babylon came, they conquered Israel, and in three waves took off captives from Israel and shipped them back to Babylon. And I could just imagine that those captives in Babylon were asking the question, why, God? Why? Why me? But it was clear. But the prophets had made it clear why it was. In fact, just read Lamentations. Now, that's not a book that we usually recommend that you read. It doesn't sound that exciting. Lamentations. Ugh. But I encourage you to read it because they ask the why question. Why? 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 The why was clear. They didn't listen to the prophets. They were worshiping other gods and they were breaking his commandments. Sometimes our sin is our, our suffering is our own fault. But then I want to give you Number four, and that is not all pain and suffering are due to personal sin. Not all pain and suffering that we experience is our fault. Jesus said this, or experienced this in John chapter 9. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, some people back then and even today believe that if there's some pain and suffering that comes into your life that's big, if there's a big storm of life, it, it must be your fault. You must have sinned big for God to allow that to happen to you. Or somebody close to you must have sinned big to let that happen to you. That is simply not true. In fact, if you read the book of Job in the Old Testament, you see that Job experienced all this pain and suffering. He went through a storm of life, and he had all of these friends come to him and kept saying, Job, you need to confess your sin. And Job was saying, I didn't sin. I don't know what, what sin should I confess? Well, you must have done something because you are experiencing all this pain and suffering. And at the end, God chastises them for their poor advice to Job. Friends, sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes it just happens. When I was diagnosed with cancer in 2010, a cancer that has a tendency to return, uh, it's returned once already, I, um, I did not ask 
at the why questions. And I don't say that with, with pride because I have asked the why questions a lot in my life. When Brittany was diagnosed, I asked all sorts of why questions. When I was diagnosed in 2006 with major depressive disorder, I asked all sorts of why questions. But then I was encouraged by God to start trying to answer those why questions, try to figure out what in me was bringing up those why questions and distancing myself from him. The reason I didn't ask the why questions was because I believe that I live in a diseased world. And life isn't fair sometimes. The reason I didn't ask the why questions is because I know that I, as a Christ follower, am not exempt from pain and suffering. The reason I didn't ask the why question is because I knew that the cancer was not my fault. Now, when I get to heaven, I may find out the fault because I used Roundup in the garden. Liberally. <laughs> or because I got my clothes dry cleaned or because I didn't eat this food and because I should have eaten that food or whatever it may be. But I don't believe it was my fault. And even if it was my fault, like if I had smoked three packs a day for 50 years and got lung cancer, I could still pray to God and ask for forgiveness and he would forgive me. I'd still experience the consequences of the sin. But my relationship with God would be made right. And the last reason I didn't ask the why question was because of what he said about the man who was born blind. I saw this as an opportunity to give God glory. That if I would just watch to see where God was working and I would join him there, I would be able to glorify God even though I had cancer. Well, when I first started chemotherapy, I, uh, <laughs> I was like all gung-ho. I was going to keep working. Not going to take me out of my job because I was working as a hospice chaplain and, and I have all these patients and, and they need me, not anybody else. Nobody else can do what I do. And so I had this pride thing going on and so I just was pressing right through. And then it got to the place where I couldn't do that anymore. So then I asked my mom and dad to come down from Indiana to live with us so my dad could drive me around to my appointments so I could sleep in between my appointments. Yes, I slept on the job. Please do not take it out of this room. <laughs> then I couldn't do that anymore. I got a blood clot and the pneumonia, and, and I just couldn't do it anymore, so I took a leave of absence for three months. And it was then that God said to me, you need to use this time to write the book I've been telling you to write for a long time, Stepping Stones to Discovering God's Will. I'm like, I don't, I felt horrid. But it was amazing. Even when I was too weak to get off of the bed or in the middle of the night I was on the couch because chemo and steroids mess up your, your rhythm. 
and I was laying on the couch and couldn't even get up from the couch, God would speak into me, and we'd be, I'd be thinking about the book and praying to him about the book, and he would give me these amazing ideas, at least they were amazing for me, that I was to put into the book. And then when I was strong enough on those days when I was a little further away from chemo and I was able to sit at the computer, sometimes my fingers would just fly across the keyboard. Now, I still had typos. <laughs> it wasn't perfect. But I was still flying out with all of these, these ideas and, and, and all of this stuff and remembering scriptures to put in there. And It was an amazing time for me. At the time, I thought that I might not ever publish it because it's very personal, some parts in it, very personal. But I chose seven years later, I think it was, or something like that, to, that I felt like God was saying, it's time to publish it, and he did. Now, I will tell you that some of those who have read it have come to me and said some amazing things to me about how God worked in their life as they were reading that book, and I'm thankful for that. But it's not me being thankful that, boy, I'm a great writer, or I got some great ideas, because they all came from him. They all came from our God and Father, and I give him all the praise and the honor and the glory for that, and that alone. He's the one who deserves the praise. What I'm saying is, is that no matter what your storm of life is, you can be a blessing to others. The Bible says it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in some of our troubles. No. Who comforts us in most of our troubles. No who comforts us in all of our troubles, comforts us in everything. Then he says, catch this, so that, he comforts us for a reason, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Listen, you have had pain and suffering in the past. You've had storms in the past. Some of you are experiencing the storms right here and now. You don't have to be a preacher to be able to be used by God to comfort somebody else. You do not need to be a pastor. You do not even need to be, uh, you can be a new Christian and still be able to comfort others with the comfort that you yourself received from God. Now I want to ask today a, a question. Those of you who have had spiritual storms and you experienced that God was near you, that you experienced that God gave you the wisdom and the guidance and the comfort that you needed, would you please raise your hand? Now would you please stand? Wow. What I'm asking you to do is to look around the room. We all need each other. We all need each other 
to talk to one another about what our experiences were, to share with each other those painful, dark secrets sometimes, to share with one another the comfort that we received so that we can encourage one another and encourage those who haven't had that experience before. Now, Pastor Rod is not standing (laughs) because I told him to sit down in the first one because it's easy to go to the pastor and you expect certain things for the pastor, for the preachers to say, right? Go to each other. We are the church. Share with one another your experiences. And so we can be encouraged. You can be seated. In fact, let's give praise to God for what he's done for us. In the end, the only answer to your why questions is who. (laughs) That's the answer to every why question is who. Who is the father of compassion? Who is the God of all comfort? Who is the God who comforts us in all our trials? The answer to the why question is who. So if you're going through times of struggle right now, I pray that you will draw near to him because God is near. God is here and is ready to speak to you and comfort you and love you and give you wisdom and guidance and strength and whatever else it is that you need. And for those of you who are not going through storms of life right now, I just encourage you, prepare yourself for the why questions. Answer them now so that when the time comes, your mind will not be filled with all those why questions and rather you can fill it with how you can comfort others with the comfort you yourself received from God. Let us pray. God, you know that 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, is one of my favorite passages. Because you are a God who is the Father, the one who birthed compassion in the first place. You are the God of all comfort. You are the God who comforts us in all of our troubles. And so I'm praying right now that for those who are going through storms of life in this room, that you will pour out your compassion and your comfort on them. I pray, Almighty God, that you will give them what they need right here and now. And Lord, you will give them hope. I pray, Almighty God, that they will share their their questions with other people, the people who stood up in this room, who understand they will share with people who they trust and they will find companions who will walk with them through the valley of the shadow and point them to you, Jesus, the light of the world. I pray, Almighty God, for those who are not experiencing the storms of life right now and become complacent in some ways, thinking the storms are not going to come, Please, Lord, prepare them now for those future storms. Please prepare them now by answering the why questions. Lord God, we want to be a church. We want to be a church that is open to people expressing themselves, whatever they're feeling, whatever they're thinking, without judgment. 
we want to be a church where there is love that is just flowing freely in this place. We want to be a church that looks to you for everything. So please bless us with that, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.